Glad to have you with us, whether you're uh, here in the room or joining us online. Uh, my name's Kurt. Uh, honored that you're here with us this morning at Crossroads uh, as we uh, get ready to start a, a new teaching series today called Awkward. I was kind of thinking about this last night. Uh, we went last night and took family photos because we just really wanted to ruin a Saturday night. And so uh, went and uh, our photographer took us down to uh, the Kaufman Center, which kind of had a fun little exchange because Jennifer thought we were going to Kaufman Stadium. Um, so she's like, we should all wear blue. It'll fit well. And, and we were at the Kaufman Center for the Performing Arts outside of it to take pictures. But uh, it kind of made me think back to uh, when I was a kid and, you know, I'm the one there dragging my children and we're trying not to yell at them in front of other people. Thinking back to when I was the one being dragged and yelled at by my parents to, you know, to stand still and smile and quit crying and to get over it and to just, you know, that was me last night. It's funny how life comes full circle, right? But it kind of made me think about the pictures we took last night. How many years is it going to be till my children look back on those pictures with horror? You know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you have pictures that you look back at and they're embarrassing? Okay, probably all of us. I mean, it wasn't too long before I was looking back going, really, mom, those glasses... What was, with, what was that hair? How could your hair possibly be that large? Some of you remember the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm wondering how long it's going to be till you know, my kids look back and go, wow, nice shirt, dad, you know, or you know, wow, really, those shoes? That's what you decided was fashionable? Kind of made me think about just all of the, the kind of the horror stories some pictures can bring back sometime. And this week as I was preparing for uh, the start of this series, I just thought about the idea of awkwardness, period. And it led me to the website Awkward Family Photos. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about with this, this website? If you don't, I want to encourage you, make sure you've got like an hour of free time because you will go down a rabbit trail that you cannot get out of. Awkward Family Photos is a website where people can just submit any picture that they want that they look back on often. And I mean, I'll be honest. If you don't know this website, there's a chance you are on it. Because your children might have submitted pictures for this website. Uh, but as I was going through it, I found a few. And here's a few examples. This was one from a birthday party. Uh, now, notice the cake. The caption said, this was my 18th birthday, and the store was out of ones and eights. So my mom thought, three sixes makes eight, uh, 18. And once they got the photo back, she looks at it and goes, oh, that's not nice. Okay, speaking of, of family pictures, you know, there's always the horror stories like this one, that somebody, probably this dad, just judging by the look of him, thought this was a good idea. The son, who's down there in the bottom corner, submitted this photo and, and said, my dad apparently had a dream to be an innovator in the cell phone industry. Uh, and if you notice, this, the, the boy has two. The one he's holding to his ear is a bag phone. Remember those? That's the Wayback Machine. Uh, or how about this next one? I think this was one of mine one time. <clears throat> the girl said, I made my dad mad and I was trying to peek to see if he was still mad. He was. And I love because the mom doesn't even notice. She's just happy to be there. Or uh, this next one, the caption said, we're a very tight-knit family in case you can't tell. Okay, uh, I love this next one. This is... The, the caption was, four brothers in tight pants in tight quarters. <laughs> I think I recognize a couple of these people, but I'm not going to name any names. But uh, there's a chance that uh, 
One of those guys went to my church growing up. Uh, beyond just uh, the, the family photos like this, which by the way, these made me think of like, how many of you would go to like JCPenney or Sears for your family photos? That's what some of those made me think of. Uh, the next ones are funny because they're church related. And uh, you might have some, some stories about church that you look back on and think about stories of grandma or maybe you have been that grandma or somebody that just needed to get a hold of their kids at church. Look at this next one. Now there's a christening and that's what's at the front, but look in the backdrop. <laughs> Grandma's got a hold of the little girl and the little boy's holding his face like grandma already got a hold of him. <laughs> that may be some of you when we're done here today, I don't know. The next one really cracks me up. Okay, you, you see the family in the, in the front, look in the background. <laughs> the caption, which was one of the two boys submitted this said, this was Easter morning. We always took pictures before we left to go to church. Grandpa shotgun and one in the background before they leave <laughs> because he's anticipating a difficult morning. I hope that none of you had to do that this morning before you came here. Like, I hope that you're all okay. Uh, I think we got one more. This is a school related. There's a ton of school, school pictures. Look at the girl's shirt. It actually says heartbreaker. But she goes, I had an unfortunate wrinkle in my shirt when the photo was snapped, and we didn't catch it until my mom had bought the photos. Again, if you've got a good hour or two to kill, especially if you need to pick me up for your day, go to this website, because this is all this, this is. And this, was, uh, this was, you know, how I spent my week being productive, was looking at awkward family photos, trying to figure out. And then I got a couple other staff members distracted with it too. It was a really productive week here at the church, let me tell you. But we find awkward situations all the time, right? Like for me, I, I think that's one of my spiritual gifts is either finding or creating awkward situations. A lot of times they're the small types. You know, like somebody walks up and they go to give you a handshake, but you're trying to do a fist bump and it's that in between, like, okay, I, I don't, let's, let's you know, we'll do this little, this little juke thing. Or that hallway dance, like somebody's walking at you and you, you kind of both try to get out of each other's way the same way. Or for me, a lot of times it's I forget somebody's name. And I'm like 95% sure I know it, but that 5% keeps me from saying it. So I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, pal, good to see you, you know? Or, or, or maybe, how many of you, you don't have to show me your hands if you've done this one, you've asked a woman the question you're not supposed to ask her? What are you do? And what's her response? Uh, I'm not. You know, sometimes we get into those types of situations and it's just like, oh, I just want to crawl in a hole and disappear. Awkward situations find their way into our lives all the time. And what I've found is when you're a Christian, when you're walking with Christ, sometimes one of the most awkward situations and awkward moments that we can find is when it's time for us to share our faith with other people. Uh, yesterday, we did a, our Closer Look class, and I was telling our, our group in, in the, the class uh, yesterday morning, that one of our goals is we want to reach our neighbors. We want to reach our neighbors so we can change the culture around us. And I said, sometimes the hardest mission trip you will ever take is walking across the street. It's not going to another country where you may never see those people again. It's walking across the street and having a conversation with somebody that you're going to see every day. Or it's talking to your coworker about Jesus. Or, or it's talking to a difficult family member about Jesus. It's somebody that's a part of your life that you're going to see all the time. And you know that if they reject what you have to say, they might reject you too. But we're called to do that anyway. The last thing Jesus told us before he went back to heaven, 
is in Matthew 28. He says, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is what's called the Great Commission. And as a church, our mission statement is based on this. So many churches, their mission statements are based on this. And we understand this and we accept this and we want this to be what we do. The problem for a lot of us is we don't know how. We don't know how. So this series, Awkward, is we're going to look at this and and talk about the awkwardness of of overcoming the fear to learn how to share our faith with other people. Today we're just going to kind of look at a quick overview. The next couple weeks we're going to break more into some of the how-tos on this. But the reason we're going to look at this is because when it comes to sharing our faith with others, often as Christians we fall into one of three extremes. We don't say enough, we say way too much, or we say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Often that's where we typically fall. And if we see people not wanting to come to the church or not wanting to have anything to do with Jesus or not having any interest whatsoever, a lot of times we can point the finger at ourselves and say, well, we may be the reasons why. In fact, I heard this the other day and it kind of got me. Studies have shown that most people don't have a problem with Jesus. I'm talking about people outside the church. They don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with us. (laughs) They have a problem with Christians. They have a problem with the way that we approach them or the way that we kind of weaponize discipleship at times. Like like it's, you know, we've got to fight this this sword of of the the word of God and use it as an offensive weapon out in culture today. And often it just simply boils down to we just need to know what to say and how to say it and when to say it. I heard this uh, the other day too that kind of made me laugh and almost made me cry a little bit too because I thought it was funny but also sad that there are two main reasons why many people choose not to become a Christian, or why they're not a Christian, I guess I should say. The first is they've never met a Christian. They haven't had the opportunity to have a conversation with somebody and be presented the good news and hear somebody's story and, and, and be shown why the gospel is, you know, an effective alternative to culture. The second reason why people aren't Christian, they actually have met a Christian. And they have had the opportunity to have that conversation on why the gospel is a good alternative to to culture and what Jesus has done in somebody's life and why you should embrace it too. Again, often we don't say enough or we say way too much or we say the wrong thing. And that can be terrifying because a lot of times I think we have to, this mindset that if we're going to go share the good news, that we've got to have our Bible tucked under our arms and a sermon prepared, or an apologetics lesson prepared, and we have to know all the answers for the questions they're going to ask us, and, and there's a terrifying part to that. I get that, because we don't want to be exposed for what we don't know, or we don't want to make God look bad, or the church look bad, or ourselves look bad in the process of this. And I think sometimes we just simply oversimplify this. Our mission as a church, it's on the front of your bulletin, is that we exist to bring people to Jesus Christ and to assist them in becoming his fully devoted and reproducing followers. In other words, we exist to make disciples who will make disciples. We don't want to just make followers. We want people who come to know Jesus who will lead others to come to know Jesus as well too. And again, a lot of times I think that we think in our heads we've got to have this entire roadmap thing laid out so that we take somebody by the hand We introduce them to Jesus, we teach them about the Bible, we bring them to church, we walk with them every step along the way, all the way into baptism, and then we continue to walk with them afterwards in discipleship. And let me just tell you, folks, it's not that complicated. It's not that in-depth. In fact, let me ask you this question here. Is your role in sharing your faith to make sure somebody gets saved? 
I'll answer that here in just a moment, but I want to look at something before I do. Because in 1 Corinthians, we kind of see Paul lay out what this might look like and what this might mean. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, For when someone says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? After all, what is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants, he says, through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. A little bit of context here. Uh, Paul wrote First and Second Corinthians to the church in a city called Corinth. Corinth was kind of a, uh, an ancient version of New York City. Kind of just think this cultural, financial hub. Everything went through there. It was an important city in the, this, this area. And Paul planted a church there, like he did in so many places. Got the church rolling. He was there for quite a while. Then he hands it off to somebody else. And, and now there are two or three generations of, of basically pastors or church leaders later. Guys like Peter was one of them. Apollos was one of them. And this church is starting to fracture. They're starting to take their identity more in Paul or Apollos or Peter. Or some of them go, you know, we're just going to follow Jesus. We don't even need the church anymore. And that's why he writes these two letters to a church that is broken. But as he's writing this, he's very clear here. Some of you are saying, well, Paul did it this way, or Apollos did it this way, so we have to do it this way. And he says, no, we're just servants. We're just here doing what God has called us to do, not to do everything. He goes on in the next verse, in verse 6, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. You understand this a little bit, because if you do any kind of gardening, you might grab seeds, and you might, you know, plant them yourself. And if you plant them, you come over and you can put them in your, your thing. I'm not going to open them up because, well, I got to use them next service too. But you throw them in your pot and you, you know, you can water them. And then what do you do? All right, it's time to grow. Let me sing you a song. I'll read you Winnie the Pooh because my mom read that to me when I was little and helped me grow. I'm very curious if any of you do that because I really want to come watch if you do that. But no, you get this. You can plant the seed. You can water the seed. But there's nothing that you can actually do to make the seed grow. You can fertilize it. You can miracle grow it. You can do whatever. You can follow the book and make it grow maybe a bit faster or grow healthier. But you cannot make that seed grow. Only God can do that. Verse 7, he says, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. Go back to the question. Is your role in sharing your faith to make sure someone gets saved? The answer is no. Do we want that? Yeah, we want that. We want people to get saved. We share our faith so others will come to know Jesus the way that we know him. And they'll become more like him the way we hopefully are doing so. But that's not the entire point of sharing your faith. Maybe you're sharing your faith to come plant the seed. Maybe in sharing your faith, you're helping to water the seed. Maybe you're preparing that to be harvested. Some of you garden and, and you planted stuff back several months ago. Back in the spring, you're harvesting vegetables now. I actually had a guy from our 8 o'clock service bring me in this, this huge bag of tomatoes and onions that he just picked this morning or last night. We were in Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. My dad sent me home some cucumbers and, and stuff like that that they planted back in the spring. It's harvest time. 
And more stuff will get harvested here in a few more weeks as we get later into the summer. Some of you farm, some of you garden, you understand this. I, I did a garden for about two or three years in our, our home in Oklahoma. It was fun. It was a fun learning experience. It was hard work, but it was a fun learning experience for me to do that. But as I went through this, it helped me to understand how different every single thing is. And kind of from that, we can look at how this applies to sharing our faith too. So what I want to do today is three quick lessons that gardening will actually show us when it comes to sharing our faith with others. Here's the first lesson. It's that different seeds require different lengths of time to grow. Every seed requires a different length of time to grow. If you get these seeds, we got these yesterday. Uh, there's some carrots, there's some turnips, some broccoli, and some onion. And if I read on the back of these, it tells me how long it takes each of them from planting to harvest. For the carrots, it takes 68 days. For the onions, 60 to 90 days. The broccoli is 71 days. The turnip, 55 days. Now, some of those are within a week of each other. But I can't come and, and expect the onion that might take 90 days to be fully grown in 55 just because the carrots are done. You've got to see which one takes the, the most amount of time. And not only that, it tells me on the back how to bury these. The carrots have to be a half inch, the broccoli a quarter of an inch, the, the onion a quarter, the carrots, uh, I'm sorry, the turnips are, are a half an inch. Some of them have to be spread further apart. If you plant tomatoes, you've got to do them inside of a cage. If you do cucumbers and you don't put a, 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 like a fence behind them, they're just going to take over your yard. You understand different things take different lengths of time to grow and take different ways of planting them as well too. The same applies to us. Every one of us is uniquely created and uniquely wired with not just different skills and gifts, but the way we hear things, different love languages, different ways that we receive communication. Some people, you've got to be a bit more blunt. Some people, you've got to be a bit softer. Some people, we plant different seeds different ways. Just like I would plant things differently in my garden in Oklahoma than I would have in a garden in Oregon or a garden even here because the soil is different. Everything is different with every plant everywhere that you plant it. But when it comes to us, there's one thing that we all have in common. We have a God who created us who wants us to ultimately come to believe in him. Yes, he created us with the free will to make these decisions, but he wants us to choose him. It says in 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But yes, we're all different. And we all are going to take different amounts of times to grow and different ways to grow. The second lesson we get from gardening is this, that the amount of water that we use is critical. This might have been the, the biggest lesson that I had to learn when I was trying to learn how to garden was how to water. Uh, you know, what did I do when I first started gardening? I took the hose and I just sprayed stuff down. Kind of learned that's not how you do it. I had a, a teacher in high school who was a, a zoology teacher for me, but he also taught uh, uh, botany, and he, that was his passion really was botany. And uh, he would complain about his son that was a couple of years older than me, that he would go out to water the, the plants, and he would be done like in five minutes and come back in. And, and Mr. Bradley would tell him, like, it doesn't, it takes an hour at least to water them, not five minutes. And his son Kyle goes, well, it took me five minutes, so I don't know what you're doing. Well, Mr. Bradley understood, no, every plant gets watered differently. So he was meticulous at which ones needed a lot, which ones needed a little, which ones needed more pressure or less pressure. He understood this. 
Uh, for me, when I gardened, it, my stuff started to grow better when I learned some stuff doesn't need to be watered every day. Some stuff's every other day. The hotter it gets, the more you water. I need those weeper hoses that go on the ground that the water seeps out right at ground level and doesn't evaporate off the leaves. But we understand how watering might work. Sometimes when we water, we water too frequently or not frequently enough or we use too much or too little water. Some people just need, you know, a simple little, little kiss of water from a watering can. You know, come back the next day, maybe a little bit more. Maybe it needs to go, you know, two or three times a week. There are some things that you need a little bit more water on. So, you know, you just get the bucket out and you just fill it up. Bet Ben's watching me like a hawk right now because there's some very expensive equipment right here. <laughs> some things, you know, it's not the amount. Some, sometimes it's not the, the little or the a lot. Sometimes it's the pressure. And I'm very disappointed he wouldn't let me bring a water hose on stage. <laughs> I can't for the life of me understand why he wouldn't let me bring a water hose on stage right now. But for some people, it's the pressure. It's not the amount. We've just got to adjust it. Like maybe some people just need the little misting thing that this, this will do. Or, or some people need the shower. You know, that I often used to rinse my feet off of them and working in the yard or, or to rinse my hands off or just to, maybe like the, the final thing on the car wash, you know, you're just rinsing your car off. Or some people, they need the jet. You know, it's the full bore, full blast. But how often do we try to use that jet and we come up here to one of these potted plants and we start spraying inside of it with the full bore pressure, what happens? We just blow everything out of this. All the seeds, all the soil, everything just gets thrown right out of the pot. Now, sometimes we need to pay attention to the amount and the pressure with which we, we water those seeds. That's why building relationships is so important. Because the more you build relationships with other people, the more you start to get to know them and then get to know what kind of watering they need. The trust is built. And you can learn who needs a little bit more pressure and who doesn't. Again, yesterday, we did our Closer Look class. And I told our folks at one point through it, do you feel like you've been drinking through a fire hose? Because we were just telling them everything in a very short amount of time. That's not a conversation that I'm going to have with somebody who is brand new to all of this. I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to be a little bit more meticulous in, in how I say things, or a little more intentional how I say things. You don't just go full bore. Yesterday, they came asking questions so we could go a little bit more pressure with some of them because they're, they're ready for that. But somebody who's never heard the gospel may not be. And sometimes, again, that's, our, that, that's where we, we have a fault as we go too much, too soon, all at once. And we've got to be careful with that. Yes, we need to make sure that, that we tell people everything that there is to tell them. But how and how much and when is important. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3 to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with what? Gentleness and respect. So, so build those relationships with other people. Number three, says that consistent watering is required. This is the third lesson. Consistent watering is required, and it usually involves multiple people. Uh, I've thought about this one a lot because, again, the consistent watering, that doesn't mean every day. Some stuff needs every other day. Some stuff needs twice a week. Some stuff needs twice a day. It depends on what you're planting. depends on the conditions around you. Uh, I water my lawn, and as it gets later into the summer, it gets, gets hotter. I do it every day. Earlier, I was doing it every other day. 
But the conditions call for a change. And so it's consistent, though, at the same time every day. Again, what did Paul say back in 1 Corinthians 3? I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. It's going to take multiple people. I think all of us would like to be able to tell that story about somebody that we introduced to Jesus. We told them about Jesus. We nurtured them through that initial question and answer phase. We answered their questions about who he is. We brought them to church. Yes, they might have heard a sermon, but, but you know that's because we brought them there. And then we walked them through all the steps. We led them to accept Christ. We baptized them. I think we all want that story. But often it doesn't work that way. There's so many other people involved. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of the time, our role is probably more watering than it is planting. Yes, there's going to be people that you get to plant the seed in, but a lot of times we are watering a seed that somebody else has already planted. That, I know that's the case for me. If, if you're visiting here, somebody brought you here today. Somebody planted that seed, and, and hopefully you get a little bit of watering today while you're here. But you're going to see if most people have had multiple people participate. We're getting ready to baptize three people today. Two here in just a few minutes. One at, yeah, that's, that's what it's talking about. We got two here in just a few minutes. We got one at the 1045 service. And every one of these is a story that has so many different people involved in it. We've got uh, one of our kids that's going to get baptized. That comes with a family that comes to the church here on a regular basis. And, and she's had their voices speaking into her. And she's had Matt speaking into her. And Matt's going to baptize her here in just a little bit. She's gone to church camp and had other kids, including my kids, speaking to her in ways they probably didn't even realize they were doing it. We've got a guy, a Winter, down here who's going to get baptized in a few minutes too. Came to us uh, a few months ago. He's talked to me some. He's talked to our men's group some with, with James and with, with Tom and, and, and with, with Ron, the guys that come play basketball on a Monday night. Different people have participated in the watering. One of our high schoolers is getting baptized at 1045. And he's had his parents and Phil and Becca and the youth team and the Richards family and all of so many different people playing just a small part. Never, ever underestimate what every conversation you have with somebody could lead to. Because everything that you do with somebody is a potential watering situation that can ultimately lead them to hear and they can lead people to here. Folks, this is, this is what I love about this church, is the diversity of the people that we have, even on staff. We've got eight of us on staff, and all of us bring something different to the table. Not to say that any of us are, are just great or not great, but we're all good at different things. We all have different backgrounds. Even though we all culturally are kind of the same, we have different backgrounds, different stories that brought us to where we are. So a lot of people that... I can't even relate to Brad can reach or Tracy can reach or Ben can reach because of, of their mutual interests. Uh, it was funny yesterday, we were at Closer Look and uh, I was uh, talking with, with one of our, uh, the, the couples that was there and uh, they were at the, the Meet the Pastors lunch last uh, Sunday. And I noticed that he was from Tulsa, you know, fellow Oki. I noticed that he went to OSU. I didn't hold that against him. Uh, but I was looking at his Facebook page. We had two mutual friends. One of them was somebody here. The other was my cousin's husband who lives in Broken Arrow, a suburb of Tulsa. I'm like, it's totally random. So I asked him yesterday, you know Ryan? Yeah, yeah, we went to, we went to college together. I'm like, yeah, well, he's married to my cousin. You know, he's married to my cousin Lindsay, and they live in, in Broken Arrow now. And yeah, he's a youth pastor down there. It's like, that was that connection. 
You guys have those types of connections with people you don't even realize. Utilize those. Maybe you grew up in the same town. Maybe you played the same sport. Maybe you've worked at the same company. Maybe you've had a a similar type of moment that's come across. You're going to be able to reach people in ways I can't. You're going to be able to reach people in ways that none of us on staff can. That's why I'm grateful for a next generation staff to speak to our kids. As a dad, I'm, I'm grateful they can speak to my kids in ways that I can't. I see that my oldest is in the room here, so she's going to actually get to hear a story I tell about her. But she turns 11 tomorrow. She might as well be 19. We've already reached the age where I know nothing. (laughs) I really thought I had a few more years to prepare for this. It's here already, so I know nothing. Some of you dads that experienced this, I'm up for advice on this, on how to navigate these next few years. But we have people here that do know something, according to her. I don't have to know everything as long as she'll listen to somebody. Somebody here, one of you guys, our, our incoming youth pastors, Phil and Becca, uh, Matt and Stephanie, our kids' pastors. I'm grateful for, for the different voices that can speak to different ears. Because that's what it ultimately takes is multiple people watering. Every step in the process somebody takes is important. And the role that you play alongside that is important as well. So I'm just going to give you a, a quick takeaway today. <laughs> I know this is, we're kind of doing things a bit different here this morning. We've got stage props that we're going to have to navigate out of here in just a minute with water in them. That's going to be fun. But I'm going to give you a takeaway, and it's two parts. It's two questions, and I want you to ask these to yourself. The first question is this, who needs planting and watering in your life right now? Look around you, okay? Look and see who's out there, who needs it, who could utilize it. Is, is it... Your neighbor, is it your coworker, is it a family member? Is it somebody who asks you a lot of hard questions that you don't really like all the time? And second question is this, what's your role gonna be? What's your role in that person's life? Your role may not be opening up your Bible and, and reading Romans chapter three to them to show them what Jesus did on the cross for them. Your role may just be saying something as simple as, hey, you wanna come over to our house tonight? We've got some neighbors in our, our, our neighborhood. And, and I, I say I'm, I'm blessed that God put us where he did because we've got a, a very diverse neighborhood. And I'm talking backgrounds diverse. But uh, several months ago, a bunch of the guys in our neighborhood said, uh, let's have a poker night. You want to come? I'm like, I don't play poker, but sure, I'll watch you guys lose all your money. So uh, I went over. We'd been there for quite a while. And it was funny because... You know, it's guys being guys. You can use your imagination on what's being said, what's being done around this poker table. And the conversation starts working its way around, and and somebody finally asked me the question, so Kurt, what do you do? You really want to (laughs) know? I said, I'm a pastor at a church in, in Shawnee. Straighten up. One guy, like, shoves his whiskey glass, like, you know, all the way across the table. I'm like, oh, now you want to behave? Like, if it was going to happen, you would have already burst into flames. Trust me, like, you're good. We're set. You know, what did I do, though? I, I put myself in a situation that night that maybe isn't my most comfortable situation, but I went because I want to build those relationships. And that's more worth it to me, is to hang out with some guys that I don't maybe have a lot in common with, and I'm going to find out that maybe I do. And come to find out the guy whose house we were at, politically, religiously, or spiritually, is as far apart from me as possible. 
man, we can connect over college football. We can connect over, over some things that we both find entertaining and funny. So maybe that's just a start. Who is it in your life that you can connect with? How can you water and plant and help that seed grow? What's your role gonna be? Let's pray, Father, we're so grateful for the mission that you give us. It's a hard mission, but God, it's an important and fruitful mission. God, I pray for anybody today who's getting the opportunities, God, you would give them the courage and the wisdom to say what needs to be said in the way it needs to be said. God, help them to have the boldness to step out. No, they don't have to have all the answers. They just simply have to be willing. Help us to overcome that fear and that awkwardness that is is there, that is sometimes hard to get away from. But God, we know, we know it's what you've called us to do and you've equipped us to do it. So God, help us to see those opportunities in front of us and not take them for granted. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We'll stand together and sing.